Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay, and welcome to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, filling in this week for Andrew. Here with Mike Morgan from Cross Country Mortgage. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm good. I miss you in the studio. I usually love coming in the studio with you, but I know this week we're remote, so don't get to see your smiling face this week, but always love recording the show with you. Um, yeah. I get... I feel like I get so much more mortgage insight um, when I'm actually speaking with you for such a long period of time, because I feel like I can get all my questions answered. And I do feel like, especially um, this year, a little unexpectedly, I think um, there's so much news in the mortgage world. I think, you know, a lot of people expected last year to the, there to be a lot of changes in the mortgage world, but I think really it's almost like this first quarter of this year really fast forwarded what people kind of expected to be the case last year. At least that's what, what I feel like. I don't know how you feel, but I felt like last year was kind of a, it was just kind of a pause. And then this year it's okay, let's speed up and let's uh, do everything we thought last year. Yeah. So um, you're absolutely right. It's been a, uh, the first six or seven weeks of the year, it's definitely had lots of, uh, newsworthy items and things coming out and um, where last year so kind of sounded like a broken uh, broken record. If you listen to us, you know, rates were low. Everything was great. You know, the Fed was out there saying inflation is transitory. It's not really, you know, it's just temporary <laughs> and everything that's going on. And as we got into the end of the year and the beginning of this year, right, that tune is certainly has changed. And so we've seen interest rates. I feel like that was the first time I heard the word transitory in a very long time when you just said it. I felt like I heard it so much last year and I, I almost forgot. Yeah, yeah. And I'm using word. it in the past tense and, and <laughs> as a mistake of them saying it because, you know, it clearly it was wrong. And and we're all out there and I'm sure all of you listening out there today, you're, you're feeling the inflation. You see it um, from everything from the grocery store to, to maybe your rent or your mortgage payments to and everything in between. So inflation, definitely, you know, the reports that came out in February put inflation um, over seven and a half percent. And that was the highest level since uh, 1982. So 40 years. So, you know, the past couple of Fed administrations never have dealt with, um, you know, with inflation this high. So they're kind of a little bit behind the ball. That being said, interest rates have risen. Mortgage rates have risen almost a point um, so far this year. And um, so, you know, the Fed will, um, I can kind of say definitively, um, I don't even need my crystal ball. They will raise rates in March. Um, that's going to go up there. And so the trend is going to be the slow rise. What we don't expect is to see um, it, it, it rise as quickly as it has the first part of this year. It, it probably will slow down. But you know, you're starting to see rates in the upper threes. We're starting to see even some rates with 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 fours on them. And, you know, this week when the, the survey came out, it was the first time in, you know, well over two years um, that um, we, we saw the average rate. Freddie Mac post the average interest rate out there um, once a week was over four percent. And yeah, so no, I was I was surprised at that. I, I you know, I again, historically, that's so low. That's yes. still so low. And it's still really I don't think even back where we were in, I think it was 2018. I think we were at about four. Where's that the time we were at four? Well, so, so we're, we're yeah, we're where we're starting to creep a little bit higher than we were really two years ago, but we're, we're just a little bit above where we were two years ago, which if you think right now, where two years ago were, we were right before the, the pandemic started happening, right? We were starting to hear about this and Wahoo China and all these places, but we were starting to, to hear about these things. So right before 
And it, it, if we went back and re listened to recordings of the show back two years ago, we were talking about how great the, the industry was, right? How robust the market was and everything else. And so while rates are, yes, higher than they were last year and in the last couple of years, you're right, Robert, historically, they're still, even in the fours, really, really low. Well, yeah. And, you know, back to inflation, I did see that, you know, they did a survey and they had a ranking of, you know, inflation at 7.2 or, or whatever it was um, that, you know, that's a national average. But, you know, the number one place in the entire country for inflation was actually Tampa Bay at 9.6 percent year over year, which is yeah. just I mean, that was a huge number. But when you look at it in comparison to mortgage rates, I mean, with rates in the fours, I mean, it, it's still so low, especially if you were, you know, if you're investing in something, especially compared to like leaving that money in the bank and just letting it sit there because inflation is so high and rates are still so low. I think really, if inflation stays high, this, you know, rates will go up and rates kind of lag behind a lot of times what you see in inflation. So I think that um, that they will catch up. Of course, I don't think they're going to go out of control like that, but I do think they're going to rise. So I think if you're thinking about doing something, especially buying, refinancing, cash out refis, like whatever you're doing, I think you need to seriously look at, um, you know, the way rates have been going and kind of make some decisions and kind of pull the trigger, um, especially if you were thinking, okay, well, maybe six months from now, I'm going to do a refi or maybe a year from now, we're going to look at doing a cash out refi. I think the time to start looking at that is now because, you know, rates are really going to hamper that kind of thing, especially um, when you're looking at how much it's going to cost you in the long run. For sure. It, it, it definitely is it is time and you should get off the fence if that's been one of the things that that you are doing is going to be there. And of course, tune in every Sunday and listen to us and we'll certainly keep you up to date because what will happen, and it's always been this way, is that it's never in either a straight line up or a straight line down. And so things can happen um, that, that can change course of it. And so it's important to stay in tune. It's important to have a full-time real estate agent, a full-time mortgage um, banker that you can call and get information as things happen. And um, because it will, it'll never be, while, while the trend is clearly um, rising, um, there will be different times in, in, in places where they'll dip down a little bit and then they'll move back up and everything else. And so um, and different reasons for that as headlines come out, geopolitical risks, um, you know, that are out there that, that are happening. You know, this we have this Ukraine-Russia situation going on now that can, believe it or not, affect rates because people, you know, when if there is a conflict and it goes out and you know, people want to make their money safe, so they pour it into the bonds, which then brings the yields down, and therefore we can get some better interest rates. So you may see a small, you know, reprieve as that starts to happen, or if it happens. And um, so there's lots of different things out there. You know, the long story short is, you know, reach out to us. We're happy to to fill you in, bring you up to date with what's going on. Um, you know, it's sort of sort of our job um, to to pay attention to this and and to to watch it kind of minute by minute. Yeah, absolutely. And Mike, how do they get in touch with you um, if they want to talk about this, especially, um, I mean, I think especially if they're looking at like refinancing or something like that, where they were, where they were really, really, really analyzing their payment and what refinancing would do, I think they definitely should call you. Um, but how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, you can reach out to me directly. Always give me a call at 813-377-2743. Again, it's 813-377-2743. 
or you can go to Cross Country Tampa, uh, crosscountrytampa.com, all one word, and and Jen on our team will be there, and you can apply online or give her a call. So give us a call. We'd love to answer any questions that uh, that you have and, and be able to help you. And Mike, another thing, what is, um, like if some, I'm so interested in like refinances and the cash out thing and all that kind of stuff. So if somebody looked at refinancing last year and they're looking this year at refinancing or, or purchasing, what is the, um, the conventional loan limit this year? Cause it did rise. And I want to remind everybody of that number, especially in comparison to last year, because it went up significantly. Yeah. So last year at this time, it was 548, um, 250 was the conventional loan limit that went, went up. And this year it rose all the way up above, um, 647,000, uh, $647,200 is the loan limit um, for this year for a conventional loan. So 647,200, so almost a full hundred thousand dollars. Um, it went up, which is, is definitely the largest in, in, in history. And even the FHA loan limits went up over $420,000. So there's definitely, (laughs) it is right. I mean, it wasn't long ago that our conventional loan limit was 417, right. And then it's kind of gone up quickly. Um, you know, that's going to be there, but the FHA limit has definitely gone up as well. It's 426.80 um, is the exact number that's going to be there. And so um, the loan, yeah, the loan amounts are, are much higher for, for a conventional and or government loan. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like the 417 number stuck in my head for so long because I feel like it was it was there for probably like 10 years, it felt like. So the four, to, to hear that it's, you know, it, it's 640 or, or whatever it is, and it had went up so much, I just... I think that's great for people because it increases their buying power, especially with interest rates still being historically low. Um, and as home prices go up, you know, they look at that and they readjust every year. Um, and unfortunately, you know, for all of us, I think home prices are going to continue to go up, um, especially when you're looking at a couple of years down the line because of supply and demand. I just think we're in such a supply hole and who knows how we're going to get out of that as far as building. But I think with interest rates still so low, I think that it's, Definitely, um, you know, it, it's definitely interesting how they they reevaluate that every year and come up with a new number. I think that if you're out there and you want to take advantage, you definitely should do it now. And um, especially if you're looking at doing something like a cash out refi, because you can get a lot more um, if your home, you know, has equity in it in comparison to last year. So again, give Mike a call. He'd love to speak with you about that. If you're looking for a property, give us a call. We would love to get out there and show you some different options for you, depending on whatever you qualify for. There is something for you out there. Give us a call in our office, 813-359-8990. Again, 813-359-8990. And we'll be back right after this quick break. We're back here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage, talking about everything that's going on in the real estate world in the mortgage world and giving you some information that's definitely very important. But this week, um, one of the topics, uh, it comes from, uh, where did it come from? Mike, do you see that? I think it came from uh, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, it was just a repost on there for five reasons, pending sales fall through in real estate. Um, You know, we are, I think right now, um, I think that there's a lot of, there's just, there's, 
I hate to say uncertainty because people are very certain of what's what's happening with the market. But I think that right now um, there's a lot of emotions involved. And I think between whether it's a seller or a buyer or whatever, um, you know, real estate transactions definitely aren't perfect, especially when they're emotionally heightened. And right now we see a lot of um, I hate to see people walking away because a lot of them aren't walking away, but there's just a lot of negotiation involved after the property's under contract. And I think that's because there's so many emotions from the beginning. I think buyers are really, they're paying a premium for these properties. Sellers always feel like they didn't sell it for as much as they could have. So I think everybody kind of has a different view and I think everybody's emotionally charged. So things are, um, you know, things are having a tough time sticking together. And this article was, again, five reasons pending home sales fall through. Number one, the buyer changes their mind. Yeah, um, I mean, this this I, one was, I see it, this. yeah, this was interesting. I saw this. I mean, it happens, right? It's human nature to have buyer's remorse um, and to get some of this stuff in there. But, you know, if you're a buyer in this market, I mean, that can be very costly for you. You can, you will risk yes. your earnest money deposit. You know, you can risk other things that, you know, other costs that maybe you did, especially if you get, as you get later into the process of going in, it certainly does happen. Um, but uh, not, not very often. I don't think we see this a lot where the buyer just flat out changes their mind for no reason. You know, I'm going to I'm going to be honest. I don't think we see it a lot, but when I do see it right now, it's like right after the offer gets accepted. I think okay. cuz they're so emotionally charged in the negotiation process, and I think some buyers really just want to win or maybe they're just doing what they can to get it under contract and then they're kind of reevaluating within 24 hours and they're like, "Uh, uh never mind." And I am seeing that a little bit more, but again, it's like right after it goes under contract, which is really, really interesting in comparison to the way that it used to be when maybe it was a couple weeks in. But um, I, I do think that that is odd because I, you know, I don't, I don't think that way, but some people obviously do. Um, number two, the buyer is unable to obtain financing. Now, Mike, I feel like that is not happening nearly as often as it used to. Uh, I mean, you almost, unless there's something weird, you almost don't see that that often anymore. Yeah, the the industry and the marketplace and really the consumers out there. So thank you all very much that have gone through this, uh, have been listening to us and really are working on getting pre-approved up front, right? right? And, and getting good, solid pre-approvals. And so- we're not seeing it as much that is out there. Generally speaking, deals don't fall through unless something drastic happens to their situation. You know, somebody loses a job, something, you know, something like that, that, that comes into that. But most people out there now, there's still some that aren't fully getting pre-approved before they get into it. And then there becomes problems, but there's not a lot of that as much. And, and you're right, Robert, we don't see deals fall out because we can't get them approved um, nearly as much as we had in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, the home failed an inspection. Now, you know, I hate the word failed an inspection because I don't think that there's anything for the home to fail unless it talks about, you know, an appraisal issue. Um, because a home inspection is really for buyer's knowledge. Um, there may be things in there that the buyer doesn't like as far as an inspection or something that needs to be repaired that then the seller ends up not repairing. But as far as failing, um, I don't love that. But I think that sometimes things can come up during the inspection, like 
settlement issues or maybe the home needs a new roof for insurance or a whole bunch of things that the inspection could show that they're not able to negotiate and figure out. So I think that that is where you can come up with an issue. But most of the time, unless it's something major, I do see parties working that out. I think something major being like, you know, a roof or or something like that. It's not generally, you know, anything like anything minor. I'll say that. Yeah, and I think nowadays too, but this one out of this whole list is is probably the the biggest reason, right? The number one reason that it does happen where where a deal will fall apart is after a home inspection is done. Um, regardless of whether, you know, again, yeah, there's no such thing really as a pass or fail, but but that's usually the the reason that that a deal would fall through once it's under contract. I know. I guess I sounded pretty salesy when I said that, huh? <laughs> 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 not really a failed inspection. That's the real estate agent. I mean, just saying we're going to work it out. It's fine, but we will work it out for you. And most of the time we can negotiate anything that's needed, especially if it involves financing, because I think that that's always really important. And that's what I tell people when I'm involved with them. Yep. Uh, number four, the buyer hasn't sold the home he currently owns. Now I see that as an issue up front right now, not an issue once the property's under contract. Correct. I think that you're probably, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you don't see it very often that goes in there. And a lot of times now, because the market is so robust and because it is people are buying houses very, very quickly, much quicker than in the past and lack of inventory and all those things we talk about, we're seeing times where people are they're able to sell their house really, really quickly. So I don't see this as as big of a, a, a an issue as it was in the past where someone comes to us and says, hey, the only way I'm going to come up with my down payment money or be able to you know, qualify for the loan is to sell my other house. They're actually able to now. Um, and we've actually had several people that, you know, they say, hey, we don't know if we're going to be able to do it. Do we still qualify? We say, yes, you'd be able to and, and move forward. And they still end up able to to sell their house that quickly just because of how robust the market is. Awesome. So if you want to hear the rest of this list, hold on and we'll get you right after this quick break here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. And we're back. Thanks for joining us here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Thanks for sticking with us through that long break. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo here with Mike Corgan from Cross Country Mortgage. We were talking about the five reasons pending sales fall through in real estate. So I think that um, we had number one, the buyer changes his mind. Number two, the buyer's unable to obtain financing. The third is the home failed inspection. Number four, the buyer hasn't sold the home they currently own. And number five, is the home appraisal is lower than the purchase price. Now, I would say right now in our market in 2022, especially with the prices appreciating and everything that's going on with that as far as how they analyze appraisals, my personal opinion is right now in our market, this is the number one reason that home sales fall through. And, you know, I know I said in the last segment, Robert, that I thought it was the home inspection and, and that's the number re- one reason. But I, I will I will retract that statement oh, uh, and, and going through that. Yeah. Right. And, and and agree with you, because this is something that is happening um, very often. We're seeing a lot of the appraisals not coming in, in, in at the price. What we are seeing, though, in a lot of them, in a way they've mitigated a lot of this, is that they are writing into the contract 
that the buyers are willing to pay up to X over if the house does not appraise. They'll yeah. pay 5000 10000 20000 over the um, appraised value in case it does come in light. But I, I, I will agree, this is, this is happening quite a bit. Well, and when a buyer does that to get back into financing, when a buyer does that, I mean, can't that turn around and affect their financing because of their their income and the reserves that they might need in the in the um, in the bank and all, all of that? Because I always when I represent sellers and I see that I'm thankful that the buyer wants to pay the difference. But I do always have that in the back of my head that, oh, I hope this isn't a lot of their cash and they're just kind of going to affect their financing at this point. Do you guys see that on your end? Yeah, for sure. And this is a really, really good point. Um, and, and I'm glad you brought it up, Robert, to talk about because it does affect your financing. So when we lend you, let's say you're going to put five and I'll try and put some easy numbers to this. So, so that you, um, so it's there when we lend to you, if you're, let's say you're going to put 5% down and you're going to buy a $300,000 house. So your down payment in that case is $15,000. Um, you know, that that is going to be there. If the appraisal doesn't come in to where that is going to be, um, let's say it's only going to come in. Let's say it comes in at two hundred and eighty thousand. So it comes in um, twenty thousand dollars less. We are going to only lend you that ninety five percent off the lower of the two between the purchase price and the appraised value. So in this situation, this example I'm giving you today. Um, you have a purchase price for 300,000, but your appraisal only came in at 280. So we're going to lend you 95% still, but it's 95% of the 280,000. So you're going to have to bring $14,000 for the down payment there. But then on top of that, you've agreed to buy the house for 300. So you have to bridge that gap in cash. You can't finance it in cash between the lower of the two. So you would have to, in that case, bring $34,000 to the table um, to, because you'd have to bring the difference between the extra 20,000 be between the 280 and the 300. Oh, I mean, yeah. And that always, to me, I mean, I always wonder, oh my gosh, you know, uh, can this person, uh, you know, afford this? And of course that's not to me to say, but I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, I mean, the, the amount of cash that that person at that point is talking about bringing especially when they're talking about closing costs and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it really, really, really adds up. So I think that also I, as an agent, um, and I think that's because, you know, I did this every day. I'm kind of used to this. We get used to it. When I think, oh, failed an inspection, I also think an appraisal because there's certain things, especially when you're talking about FHA or VA, that the appraiser um, is looking at that the property needs to have and it needs to um, basically qualify for those programs. And it's nothing, it's nothing strenuous, you know, it's nothing outrageous, but, you know, there's stuff that they're looking at that they're not necessarily looking for compared to a conventional loan. So when I think, oh, it, you know, this could affect an appraisal, I'm thinking of, oh yeah, you know, the electrical or the roof life or something like that, where it's going to affect FHA or VA financing. And I always think about that in an appraisal perspective, not necessarily in an inspection perspective. Yeah. So. And the biggest thing to that point on that, if you're looking at an FHA or VA loan where it becomes an issue is for peeling paint. Um, so if the house was built prior to <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> right. But it but it is. But so and the reason why. Right. Is because of lead. 
So if the house was built prior to 1976, that is where it becomes an issue if there's there's peeling paint because there was lead in paint back then. And so it's a, it, it can potentially be a health and safety risk. And so any peeling paint needs to be taken care of. You can't have any exposed wood, et cetera, et cetera, because of that for, for the lead-based paint. And I know that's a disclosure that you guys all get um, when you're getting thing as lead paint disclosure for that's going to be there. So that's one of the biggest things that we see when you're looking at an FHA or a VA appraisal where there's there's some issues that we need to look at. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've actually represented, um, you know, sellers before where, and again, it depends on how detailed the inspector is, or excuse me, the, the appraiser is. Um, see, even I get it confused, but it depends on how um, detailed they are, like anybody in every profession. Because I mean, I've had appraisers that went out there and they dinged somebody twice for having, you know, peeling paint on the bottom of an exterior garage door. So, I mean, it really just depends on the appraiser, you know, and how good their eye is. And really, it depends on how much the agent is educating the seller up front to things that they should probably take care of before it's going to have an FHA or VA appraisal. Um, but all those things can be remedied because if there is some things on the inspection report, they can be taken care of. And then the inspector can be sent back out there or the appraiser can be sent back out there to reappraise and relook at those things that have been taken care of. So don't let it fall apart, especially right now, because these issues come up. Because like you said earlier, Mike, I do think it will really, it will affect you down the line because that lost time is actually costing you a lot of money as a buyer. Because if you're, if you're going off the market and you're saying, oh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna wait a couple more months and see if I can find something else instead, especially when you're looking at what home prices are doing right now and interest rates, that is most likely going to cost you way more than the difference of that appraisal or way more than that issue cost um, to work out. So I would say really analyze if you actually want to walk away from a deal right now, because I think the hardest thing right now is actually getting a property under contract. And once you have it under contract, I would have a hard time advising you unless it's something major to, to, to walk away. I just, I feel yes. like you need to work it out. Totally agree. All right. So moving on, that was that list. I thought that was really, um, we went longer than we thought on that, but I thought that that was really insightful. It was another list that I wanted to discuss, um, earlier and it was, let's see here. That's so it that. was, yeah. So the list was nine yeah. <laughs> easy, fast, pain-free ways to save up for a house. So this is another, yes. Really good, really good list. This is what we hear a lot of people, especially because prices have gone up. Um, and so people, because the price of the houses are going up, they need to save more money. Um, they're feeling that the, the pain and the pressure of inflation. So they're not able to save as much money because every time they go to the grocery store, or the gas pump, they're, they're spending more than they were in the past. And so these were some good tips. And so it's nine easy, fast, uh, pain-free ways to save up for a house. Well, and also let's remind people in the beginning of this list that, a down payment is not 20%. It does not need to be 20%. I feel like we used to talk about that all the time. Oh, this is the most, you know, this is the thing that people don't realize for so long. Yes. And we've kind of gotten away from mentioning it, but a down payment is not 20%. Now, if you have 20%, great. Um, I would tell you, I think you could probably invest that somewhere else, but with inflation so high, I mean, maybe it is better now to put it down on a house. I don't know. 
um, talk to somebody and really look at numbers, but it's not 20% that you need for a down payment. It's really like 3%, 3.5%, 10%, things like that. And uh, I just want to remind people of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, majority First, of the loans we can do are, are, are 3 or 5% down. And so you don't have to bring 20%. So I'm glad you brought that up, Robert. Yeah. Number one on the list, start a house fund and pay it first. So I think that just like they talk about um, when you're saving for retirement, you know, pay yourself first. You know, that's money that you're going to get later in life. I think that if you're saving for a house and you really, really, really have that as a goal, this is a great tip. It's start a house fund, pay yourself first. Think about how much you want to put in that fund every time you get paid and then work out your budget for everything else after that. Now, of course, you have to be reasonable, but I think in the short term, um, if you have that as a goal, you can really look at that and kind of figure out where you can cut in other places in order to build up that payment to yourself first. And I think that that's a great thing um, that you can do similar to saving for retirement. Yes, for sure. Yep, absolutely. Number two, keep your house fund in a safe, low interest bearing account. Um, I mean, compared to what's going on, I would say most accounts are low interest, but, um, but seriously, I think what they're trying to say there is don't go out and put it into some crazy stock thing. Don't go out and invest in other places, put it in a safe account that you know is going to grow slowly and not it, some crazy investment like crypto or something like that where you just don't know. This is something that you want to have safe, secure, getting a little bit of growth out of um, and put it there so it can actually give you a little in return. Yep. Number three, crowdfund your down payment. Now, this is interesting. Um, I, I see this, you know, you kind of see this when people get married, like, oh, don't do gifts. We're doing like a uh, you know, a, a honeymoon registry or something like that. I think that this is interesting because um, it's basically like tell all your relatives and crowdfund and get them to invest in your down payment for you. Not a bad idea, but I think depending on, you know, your relatives and your situation, little interesting, but I think that what you can do is you can make it very known what you're doing and you can encourage people to say, Hey, if they're like, hey, what do you want for this holiday? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want? I think that you can make it very known. Hey, this year, I don't want to do gifts, but I would love for you to, you know, invest in our down payment for our house. You know, it's a big goal of ours and kind of explain it to everybody like that, especially like parents, grandparents or anything like that. Yep. So we'll continue with this list. The six other things that you can do for fast, pain-free ways to save for a house right after this quick break. And we're back on our last segment here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. I'm Robert Johnson, president of the Duncan Duo, here with Mike Horgan from Cross Country Mortgage. Continuing of our one of our list of six things you can do to save for a house, or nine things, but we have six left. So, Mike, what's number four? Yeah, so number four is looking for cash incentives. And this one's interesting when, when you look at it, and it may be a little bit out there, but, but they certainly do it. it um, you know, exist. So what this is talking about when they talk about it is look for maybe some financial institutions, some banks and different things that may give you a cash bonus if you sign up for an account with them or a CD or a savings account or whatnot. A lot of times they will advertise and say, hey, if you start a checking account and you get a direct deposit or something in the, the account, they may give you an extra 
200 or $500. So a little bit of a stretch on that one there, but you know, there are ways every dollar matters and there are ways out there that you can get. So, so looking for some cash incentives. Um, yeah, next- absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that is a little, it's aggressive, but I think that anywhere you can is definitely, you know, definitely important to do. And I think that that's a good reminder. Yeah, for sure. The next one, save your spare change. Um, and so, you know, in a world today where we become more and more cashless, um, you know, lots of times we're not even using actual cash anymore and this becomes easier. There are a lot of the banks and financial institutions out there now that will automatically, um, round up for you. So say you go buy something that's, you know, $19 and 25 cents, they'll round it up to 20 bucks and they will automatically take that 75 cents that was changed and put it into a savings account for you. Um, and so if you're doing that, um, and you're using a debit, you know, debit card and whatnot to that, it can add up over the course of time, um, as you're using that to shop. Well, absolutely. And the article actually mentions different apps that you can use. And the article actually points out the app called Acorns. We are not sponsored by Acorns. However, I actually saved for my first investment property ever by using Acorns. And that was actually something that I read years ago that you could do. So I had it set up to where it pulled a certain amount of money every day from my checking account and put it into uh, an investment account with Acorns. And then I actually had it where it would round up all my purchases. And over the course of, I think it was probably three or four years. So it wasn't something right away, but over the course of three or four years, I actually invested enough in there to purchase an investment property. And that is, it wasn't cash, but that was enough for the down payment um, for that investment property. So I think that that from personal experience, if you can be really disciplined and not touch that money sitting there, I think that that's a great way that you can save up for a down payment for a, a home, especially when the down payment is only, you know, as low as like three, three and a half percent. Number six, turn your rent into a down payment. So another option for renters is um, actually talking about like taking part of your rent and it turns it into points that you can turn into cash for a down payment. I mean, I think that that's a little, to me, that's, you know, that's not what I would have thought of as far as, you know, taking your rent and turning it into a down payment. But the first thing that I thought is that if you can do almost like a rent to own where there's companies out there that will purchase a property for you you pick the property they negotiate the deal and that you have a right to purchase that property for a certain amount within five years you know we've worked for some of those companies we've worked with some of those companies um so there's an agreed price every year and part of your rent money actually goes toward your possible down payment for that property. So I think that when you're talking about looking at rent and you're gonna be renting and spending a lot of money anyway, I think that it's definitely um, a smart choice to, I mean, especially the last couple of years that you could have actually looked at one of those programs and really with how fast the market appreciated, some of those people we worked with that actually had an opportunity to purchase those homes in three to five years, they were sitting on a gold mine because that company was still needing to sell that property to that person at the agreed upon price. Yep. 
hopefully I didn't so, confuse everybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> so number seven was search for a local down payment assistance programs. And, and yes, these still do, do exist and they're still out there. Um, and um, you, you can search for, you can go to Hillsborough um, County and search for the local down payment assistance programs that are out there, the ways to do. And even beyond some of those um, that are there, because at times they run out of money and they get refunded and everything else. A lot of times um, different lenders will offer incentives um, if you are a first responder, if you're a fireman, a, a police officer, um, you know, um, work in emergency response, a teacher. There's lots of different programs out there. And so you should talk to your lender um, about that to see if that they have any of those available for them. But there is additional ways that you can um, can save money. Um, number eight, I'll take the next one is check your withholding on your taxes. And so this is a good one that that's going to be there. If if you're um, you know, if you're somebody that gets a large tax refund every time of the year and we're kind of in that time of the year where people are filing their taxes and whatnot. And if you just filed your taxes and you're getting a, a much, much larger refund than you thought you were going to get or whatnot, it may be because you're not withholding um, or you're withholding too, too much in your taxes. So, you know, Uncle Sam is taking too much out of your paycheck every couple of weeks or however often you get paid. And you could actually lower your withholding and start to get more cash on a, a biweekly basis or however you're paid. And you can use that cash to actually save. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the last one is consider last ditch retirement plan payout. So there are rules, um, especially with 401k and some different retirement plans that you can take a cash out or a payout from your plan in order to buy um, I believe it's a primary residence. I don't think you can do it for investments. I could be wrong. Correct. I'm not a tax person. But if for a primary residence, you can actually take a loan from yourself. And again, it's from the plan. You have to pay it back over the course of, you know, however many years. Um, but um, that is always an option, especially if you were somebody who has been a really good saver into that account um, because you're not penalized for that. You're actually allowed to do that and you can take that savings um, and part of that plan and actually use it towards another investment like a primary residence. So I, I think that all of those things are definitely great reminders um, of what you can do in order to save for, for a property. I think it's really important right now. Don't be a forever renter. I think that, um, you know, you can definitely, there's definitely a lot of options out there. And I think that it's really good to speak to a lender upfront about what your options are. One last time, Mike, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, you can reach out to me directly at 813-377-2743. Again, 813-377-2743. Or you can go to crosscountrytampa, crosscountrytampa.com. Awesome. And you can give us a call at the Duncan Duo. Our office number is 813-359-8990. Or you can reach out to us on our website, theduncanduo.com chat with us there. You can email us from there. You can fill out any forms you need there. and We'll get in touch with you, hopefully help you with your property search or getting your property sold. Thanks for joining us this week, Tampa Bay, and have a great rest of your Sunday.